Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today, I'm joined by Chris Williams, the CEO of System6. It's a modern accounting firm focused on providing dream accounting careers to their team members and freeing up customers' time so they can focus on their business, their family and interests. Chris spent 10 months looking for a small business to acquire to fulfill his entrepreneurial passion and acquired System 6 in July 2021. Previously, Chris had worked in finance where he discovered the path of search funds, essentially working with small business investors to seek out, acquire and grow small businesses. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Accounting Leaders podcast, Chris Williams. Welcome, Chris. You have COVID too, like me. No, no, I don't. <laughs> you got COVID at the moment. Yeah, I'm on the tail end of it. We all got it at an accounting conference a couple of weeks ago. Oh. Bit of a spreader down in San Diego. Oh, no, we had a few people with that. Yeah, no, you had a couple people. I, I went and said hi. Someone was there early uh, in the like first panel. I missed the first panel, but you guys, you guys had a booth and everything going. Well, I, I hope they're over it, and uh, we <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't contribute to, too much to this super no, spreader it, event. It wasn't that. I mean, I think four or five of us got it out of you know. I'm a, I'm on a group text with twenty or thirty owners. A couple of us got it, but it's that time of year. I'd never gotten it. It was time to get it. Yeah, no, we. I, I think we might have had a couple of goes at it now. Ever since getting back from Aussie, we sort of uh, yeah just struggled to recover. I think. Uh, not being in the routine of travel doesn't help either. <laughs> We're going to get back into that. Yeah. And how was the San Diego conference? It was uh, Accounting Web? Is that what it was? Accounting Web Live? Yeah. I mean, I'm still new to all of these, right? So I'm like learning which are the better ones and not. It was really good in terms of the community of businesses that were there. It was all modern cloud carbon users, even if they're not on carbon, you know, people who think nobody on QuickBooks desktop, all that stuff. It was definitely. I just think lightly attended. Like I think there are as many firm owners as there were vendors. You know, the vendor ratio wasn't right. I think yeah. you know, it's because it's their first year doing it. But mm. you know, I've been to Thrival and I went to Scaling yeah. New Heights last year. And mm. this was a much more focused community of like, yeah, modern cloud accounting firms that I can learn from mm. versus, you know, the desktop mentality or the super tax heavy mentality. So it was a good, you know, the content wasn't that useful, but all the side conversations were good. Yeah, well, that can often be the case. I mean, the accounting industry generally is kind of not too bad at um, getting like-minded people together. I think accountants, yeah. I don't think, you know, the, the, the industry is so broadly populated. I don't think accountants sort of see each other as competitive per se. I mean, I guess that does happen, but um, not in such a significant way where people are competing, you know, day in, day out against each other. I think maybe vendors... No, I don't know. Maybe vendors uh, compete a little bit more, although all our vendors seem to be selling up, so all our competitors seem to be selling up, so we don't mind. <laughs> yeah, they're going after NetSuite. <laughs> <laughs> they can get, they can, you know, the uh, there's one in Australia that APS reckons sold recently, the UK one sold, sold not that long ago. So I think that... Uh, Maybe the vendors are uh, thinning out and, yeah. and the choice is becoming more limited. But back to your story, right? Like it's quite yeah. interesting how you came into the accounting industry. Do you want to walk us through that a bit? 
Yeah, no, 100%. I recognize I've got a bit of a different background. Yeah, so I bought System 6, obviously. You know, you know, I've talked before. I bought it last year, mm-hmm. last July from Jeremy, who's, uh, you know, Jeremy Allen started the business 2008, 2009, still a great, you know, friend and mentor to me and to System 6. But yeah, I acquired the business last year. You know, I came into cloud accounting from a different background. So I did sort of more of a traditional finance investing path out of undergrad. Uh, you know, I worked at an investment bank and then I worked at a private equity firm for several years, went back to business school. And then after business school was basically, you know, faced with that typical decision, hey, do you go back and take the more traditional corporate route, which is, you know, very lucrative, or take something a bit more entrepreneurial on, roll the dice. And it just felt like for me a really good time in my career to take on some risk, you know, look mm. for something that could be more energizing and motivating for me long term. So I sought out to acquire a small business to run, put a group of investors behind me. And this is becoming a somewhat common path out of business school. It's called the search mm-hmm. fund. You know, basically just form some, you can structure it or you can make it a little bit more informal. I took the more informal path, which was just mm-hmm. work with some mentors. Hey, I want to go find an awesome business to buy that I can grow in scale. Mm. That led, you know, I spent about a year looking for a business to buy across a bunch of different industries, you know, some common themes of in terms of what I was looking for. And one of my investors pointed me to outsource accounting, outsource finance services. That led me to cloud accounting and that led me to system six. So yeah, a bit of a different path, but I think it's been energizing for us for me to have a bit of a different perspective, you know, not as someone who's built it from zero to one, but now really trying to take it from one to ten or whatever number you want to throw in there. So tell me, what were some of the other um, industries or businesses that you looked at during your search? And yeah, let's start with that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so the theme, right, is you got to have a bit of a focus in terms of what are you looking for. So for me, it was like kind of two things, basically. One, I live in the Bay Area. I've got a fiance who's got an awesome job that she loves here in the Bay Area. Um, She works in real estate. So, you know, one of the few industries that isn't going remote because they have an incentive to bring (laughs) people back to the office. Yeah. So, you know, I was looking for a business that I could run from, I would say, Northern California or the West Coast. Like I wasn't looking to move across the country. You know, if I bought a business in Tahoe where you guys are, we'd make (laughs) that work. So that was one lens at which I was looking through things. But the other thing is, you know, obviously I'm an inexperienced operator. So there's a couple of key this is not rocket science, but mm. a business with pretty recurring steady revenues that aren't tied to the owner, right? You buy a construction business where it's all the owner's relationships. That's going to mm. be really hard to take on mm. a business in a growing industry because as an inexperienced operator, if you know, you're know you swimming upstream, that can be really challenging. You think even the sure. best operators in the world can have a hard time turning around a business in a struggling industry. Mm. So those were two really big key focus points for me, which was sort of repeat recurring revenue in a growing industry. So I felt like there were good tailwinds behind us. You know, so that led to, I tried to apply my background a bit as well. So coming from finance, you know, real Mm. estate finance. So I was looking at blue collar services to the real estate industry, you know, COVID hit, that changed Mm. a lot of perspectives there. You know, and I started looking at, finance services, wealth advisors, registered investment advisors, software to that ecosystem. So you end up looking at a lot of different industries because you kind of want to be pretty high volume. Find an industry, spend a couple of days, do you like it? Reach out to a bunch of owners. If nobody gets back to you, move on. You know, it's mm. a sales job. So I, I was a bit all over the place for sure. But you know, <laughs> with a common theme of something I could run from the West Coast and good business attributes. Yeah. And what about 
in terms of the Bay Area, I mean, software is an obvious sort of recurring revenue (laughs) area. Did that sort of cross your mind for a bit? No, I mean, like it crosses my mind, I think, uh, every day, you know, as we talk about scaling, as we talk about churn, uh, you know, that Mm. can be done a lot easier from software than it is from, you know, services, businesses. A couple of things. One, I don't have a technical background, right? Like Mm. I can speak Mm. accounting language from working in finance, but in terms of leading a group of engineers, that's harder to do without that skill set. So that was one thing that weighed on me. Two, just from an M&A environment, obviously everybody, every private equity firm, every individual high net worth investor is chasing after those small SaaS products or on-prem that they want to transition to the cloud. So I felt like I would have a better chance looking somewhere that's perhaps a little bit less competitive. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I saw a few software businesses and took a look at them. They obviously trade for very different multiples. Yep. So when you talk about financing the purchase... When you talk about the growth trajectory you need to hit to make your financial outcomes happen, Mm. that's very different. I mean, you know that, right? Mm. Mm. Whether it's venture (laughs) money or growth money, right? Like you can't buy a software business with a ton of debt the way you can buy a services business. So it just changes some of the economics there too. Yeah. But I I definitely looked at some. Yeah. I mean, it's the best business model in the world, right? (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) There's pros and cons to everything. Some days. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Benioff said it, right? Software is going to eat the world, but oh, you know, easier yeah. said than done. Oh, sorry. I thought you said it's the easiest job in the world. No, it's not the easiest. <laughs> Software is no. eating the world. There's no doubt about that. I think um, it was probably from your description of it, it sort of sounds like you sort of come home a little bit in the end, you know, having gone through looking at all kinds of different businesses, looking at all kinds of different recurring revenue models. And the one that kind of suited you the most was leveraging, leaning on your background in finance and business school, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like if you want to run a business, I think it needs to be a business that makes sense for you to run and something you could see yourself selling. As a Mm. small business owner, I'm selling every day, whether it's internally Mm. or to customers. Mm. Do I speak the language? Yes. Am Mm. I excited about the product we're providing? Yes. So yeah, no, I think you're right. Some of that stuff I didn't really realize until after I bought the business. Also, Mm. the network I have of people who are acquiring small businesses who then are like, oh man, I need to fix my accounting and my payroll and my bill pay and all that stuff. And they're like, oh, Chris, you own this business. Mm. But I think it's a really good market to be in and I'm, I'm really excited I found it. Did you uh, consider sort of starting from scratch? No, I think, I mean, that's just a very different risk profile when you think about what does success look like in four mm. or five years. I think if you're going to start from scratch, it makes a lot more sense to try to start sort of a venture-backed shoot for the moon business, right? Because mm. getting from zero to one is so hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you are starting a service business, it's going to take you five years to even get to you know hiring your 10th employee. And yeah. for me, I wanted to get to scale both financially for me and also for mm. my role. Mm. And so I felt like it's better to buy an existing really strong foundation and build on top of that than start mm. a service business. I think if I wanted to start yeah. something, it would have been more of a venture back startup. Yeah. But I just didn't have any ideas and maybe that's not my risk tolerance nature. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. And so what was the process like with Jeremy? I mean, I, Jeremy and I have got to know each other really well over the years. And uh, yeah. as somebody who was a great champion of carbon and our efforts, and we massively appreciate that. And so I imagine it was a pretty good process, a a pretty straightforward process, but uh, given he's such a great guy, but um, what was it like for you? You know, it starts with 
like I kind of said earlier, in a lot of ways, a sales role from my perspective, building a list of cloud accounting firms that were kind of 10 to 15 people or 10 to 50 employees and then mm-hmm, emailing them and saying, hey, you know, I'm looking to acquire a business <laughs> and scale it. Are you interested in selling? You know, Jeremy responded and he was, you know, it was a evolving, developing relationship for us. Like we met mm. first in fall 2020. He wasn't quite yet ready to sell. He was definitely thinking about it. Um, you know, had had some conversations already, I know, with kind of more of the regional accounting firm buyer. Yeah, I was at the time looking for, I think, a little bit bigger businesses. And I was just early in my search. And so wasn't mm. quite ready to jump on something. And then he and I stayed in touch. I was actually kind of emailing him, trying to get him to sell into this market of small business acquisitions because our services are very good for new business owners who are trying to modernize. And uh, I sent him an email. You know, He went quiet for a couple of months. His, he had some personal stuff happen that took him, mm. I think, outside of work for a few months. And then he kind of wrote back to me in probably March 2021 of, you know, hey, I've really appreciated our conversations. I'm thinking more and more about selling the business. I've actually got a couple offers I'd love to talk to you about them. And then we sort of transitioned that conversation into, oh, well, you know, are you still interested in buying the business? Mm. We had, you know, preliminary kind of valuation conversations. And I actually went out there. I don't know if you've been to their new place in Michigan, but no, I no, had to I go haven't. audition for a couple of days. You know, we went hiking, yeah. <laughs> we, we spent some time on the water. And to his credit, he cared a lot about, I think, who he was selling the business to, not just top dollar, but who's going to take care of the team, who's going to take care of the customers. And I think he liked the idea of selling to a person versus selling to a firm, which creates all those integration challenges. Yeah. You know, so it was pretty, you know, yeah, we, we got to know each other, put an LOI together, you know, negotiated over points in that, kicked off diligence. There was a lot of back and forth on the purchase agreement. There wasn't a ton of hair in diligence, which is, you know. <laughs> Yep, good yep. when you're buying an accounting firm. You don't want your books to be messy. He's pretty well organized, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's been a really, really good post-acquisition transition as well. You know, he got out of the business pretty quickly, which I think is good to allow for sort of change in leadership. But he and I catch up at least kind of once every couple of months on big problems I'm facing. And he's been a really good sounding board. Mm. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And he's just a good dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is. He is. Yeah. What about the team during transition and... How obviously a lot of his great team have been Brooks and others have been with him for a long yeah. time. How's the team sort of accepted the transition? I'm sure there's always changes and people move on, people come in, all of that kind of thing. What's that been like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to come in with, hey, I'm here to listen, I'm here to learn, I'm here to help, I'm here to bring energy. Mm. System six was growing, but Jeremy had been focused on selling the business for a little while, focused on other aspects of his life. And so I think the team has definitely appreciated some more focus on, hey, like we finally rolled out Ignition. You know, we've still been doing roles as Microsoft (laughs) Word, you know, until the end of 2021. So, you know, I think people were nervous out of the gate to be expected, right? Like what's going to happen? Big change. And so I really tried to not make any changes, just carry the torch forward. Hey, if there's a easy win, like rolling out Ignition, let's do that. Mm-hmm. But we definitely haven't made any significant changes other than really just, you know, we're growing faster and breathing energy into all that is there. Mm-hmm. We lost a team member in January and, and that mm-hmm. was, there's transition, there's yep. making sure that team gets reallocated and that, that was yeah. definitely work. But I think all in all, I recognize pretty quickly that I think System 6 had a really good culture and mm. a really good mission, really mm. an inward-focused mission of like mm. creating a phenomenal place for people to work in cloud accounting. 
And I think if I had tried to change that, you know, and try to push our team a lot harder and, Hey, if you're working 30 hours, now you got to work 40 or, you know, 45, like we'd have a big issue, but just trying to honor that has, I think for the most part, people have been happy that the transition wasn't rockier, you know, that there weren't really any big changes. And, you know, we've hired a lot of people in the last six months. And I think that gets some people energized that, yeah, now we're trying to really push forward. Mm. Talk more about that internal mission yeah. and how that translates into teamwork and team effort and how you've been able to expand on that. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to like the core realization of, look, like we're a service business, right? <laughs> if our team is not in a good place, if they're dragging their feet at work, if they don't want to be talking to a customer because they think that customer is really prickly, like we're not going to be able to provide good services. Carbon, all kinds of other tools help us do our job well. But at the end of the day, yeah. it's people doing a job. It's not that's you know, it. software that's running on autopilot. So I think that's got to be the core, the absolute core mission for any service business is have a fantastic environment for your team, especially, look, we're a remote business. So people have choice of where they work. They're not tied by geography. So yeah, that was something I think I definitely appreciated more and more over time once I got here was that mm. like, if our people aren't fired up, and loving system six. And obviously like, that's not the case every day. We have, you know, like we got problems, we're working on them, but I think just talking about that more internally, but I've also been talking about it with customers. You know, I talk about it in every sales call just to sort of set the precedent of, Hey, we are absolutely focused on delivering excellent service to you as a customer. But more importantly, we want this to be an awesome place for our team to work that means you know we have expectations of you as a customer around communication style, communication cadence. So I think how have we furthered it, I think maybe talking about it a little bit more with customers, just so upfront they kind of understand we're not sort of just a pushover service provider. Yeah. Setting expectations upfront with the client base is pretty important, right? <laughs> yeah, they get it, right? Like if you mm. if you couch it in hey, for us to provide good services to you, our team's got to be in a great place. That's why we charge high fees, you know, so we can pay our team well. And that's why we have these expectations of you so that ultimately we can serve you well. I think people like to hear that because they recognize, oh yeah, we're dealing with a well-run business on the other side. Mm. No, completely. No, I understand. And how have you sort of adapted the marketing to and go to market to increase that growth since you took over? Yeah, I mean, candidly, like we've been fortunate we're not really spending really any marketing dollars. We spent a little bit of money to refresh the website. Mm. I think more than anything, I am just spending a big chunk of my time on sales. You know, where mm. we probably, if you look at the numbers, certainly our filter of inbounds to calls. You know, I'm the I'm the salesperson for now. I am taking more calls than as a percentage of inbounds than we were doing before. Mm. Some of that is a waste of time because those are bad prospects that we should have filtered out before I get on the phone with them. But if I'm taking a few more calls per month at the same volume of inbound customers, that's going to lead to more growth. So that's probably (laughs) the biggest thing. And then I would also say we've been um, trying to filter for larger customers, just basically increase that for us, it's weekly recurring revenue. But to some extent, onboarding a $200 a week customer versus onboarding a $500 a week customer, like there's some stuff in there that's just fixed, right? Like you got to get them set up on carbon. So Mm. why not get that set up for a larger customer? So by orienting my sales energy to some of the larger customers that come into our system, that's a little bit of a flywheel. We're taking on more larger customers. So then they're referring us, you know, these are 
two to $5 million businesses versus before we were doing more kind of 500 to million and a half in revenue range mm, customers. Mm, so, mm. you know, some of that's been my network, you know, friends who bought a business and now they need help and they bought a five or $7 million revenue business. And that's a bigger ticket for us. So that helps growth too, obviously. Yep. No, definitely. And what about in terms of the customer base and growing that revenue? Yeah. What type of customers typically do you service? Yeah. For us, I mean, it's, I think we have a few like counter philosophies and that Mm -hmm. are probably just wrong on my perspective, but like (laughs) we're not really niching very aggressively right now in terms of industry. Mm. You know, I think you naturally develop some niches, you know, 10 to 15% of revenue just based on referrals. So we don't have like, Hey, we only serve customers in this industry. I do think for us, it is more, we don't want to serve a customer who just wants very simple plug and play outsource bookkeeping Mm. because like they can probably get that done cheaper whether it's a $50 an hour old school bookkeeper, who some of whom would do really good work, or you know, just other firms that have a lower price point. We're really looking for someone that wants outsourced finance services. That's bookkeeping. Every one of our customers we're doing bookkeeping for, but it's also, hey, we're going to process payroll for you. Like We run over a thousand jobs on Gusto on a bi- mm. bi-weekly basis. We do bill pay for 60, 70% of our customers. Mm. So, you know, that lends itself to a little bit larger businesses, kind of that one to $5 million owner has been doing it and their time should be spent somewhere else. So Mm. give us your finance operations, give Mm. us your bill pay, give us your invoicing. Mm. Because I think that helps create stickiness. You know, the more parts of their operations we can be involved in, the more time we can take off their plate, but also the more we can increase stickiness, which is a good thing for our business, obviously. Mm. Yeah. And do you think you'll move into a niche of some sort? Do you you think that that provides benefits for the firm? Look, I mean, as we keep trying to grow, I think once we start spending marketing dollars, I think you have to have some niches because just to try to market to small businesses is way too wide of a swath and you're not going to get any productivity out of those dollars spent. So I think what we'll end up doing is like we'll start building niches within teams. Mm. Even today, 95% of our customers are QBO, but mm. we've got one team that's got all the zero experience. So if mm. we get a zero prospect, we send them there. Yep. We've got a little bit of that. One team does a little bit more around wealth management, wealth advisors. You know, There's some nuances there. So I think mm. we'll build niches on teams probably, but not in System 6. We'll have four or five dropdowns on our website of industries we love to serve. Mm. But I don't think it's ever going to be plant our flag in just one industry because we're trying to become a decent sized business and I don't want exposure just to one industry. Mm. But Mm. I I think Mm. you can have a niche in the type of customer in terms of what are you doing for them? Like I kind of said earlier with biz ops and all that. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the aspect of where you're up to, I mean, you're probably not going to focus down onto one particular area. You're going to keep that sort of progressive technology advanced founders that are great to work with or business owners that are great to work with and make that yeah <laughs> make that your thing right i admire and look up a lot to you know what acuity is doing and you talk to kenji and you know they're yeah 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 they are oriented towards startups right but it's really about technology among technology usage by their customers and it ends up being across industries so i think mm. it can be more size and yeah tech literacy is is an absolute mandate for us right like we're not serving anybody on desktop so you know, that starts to build a bit of a cus- ICP talk and venture language, like who's our ideal <laughs> customer. It's got to be, mm. you know, someone of a certain size and who wants certain things in their business, yep. you know, yep. and some people yep. don't. 
some people want to stay manual. Definitely. And how do you manage the team? Is everybody remote? And because I know Jeremy had a bit of a concentration out in Seattle for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's dissipated. Some people have just moved out of Seattle over time. There's several Mm. team members who are still with us who used to live in Seattle. But yeah, so we're fully remote. We're like 28 people now in in 14 states. Mm. So we get together once a year. We're doing it in Denver this year. Everybody and their spouses or plus ones, however you want to define it, are coming out mm. for a couple of days. Just kind of team hangout time. We're not doing conference room type stuff. So doing a gathering like that once a year, we're going to conferences again now. So we're bringing some of our team to ZeroCon. We'll bring some more to QuickBooks down in December. So that's another opportunity to get together with people. But yeah, we're a remote business. Like mm. no mm. ifs, ands, or offs about it. You know, that means probably more meetings from a, hey, how are you doing? More Mm. meeting time is dedicated towards those, hey, like what's up in your life? Top five, bottom five conversations. Mm. Mm. But if someone said to us, hey, I'm really looking for the experience of an in-person firm in a remote environment, I'd probably say like, hey, we're not a fit for you because you know we're a remote first company and it's mm. going to be different than going into an office. Yeah, But yeah, remote. And, and I think that's definitely not going to change for us. Yeah. With the conference in De- or the get together in Denver was, is if you got a bit of a concentration up there, do you? <laughs> uh, no. So we did, uh, we learned this last year, we did it around the transaction. So we did it in Michigan, actually, you know, mm, Jeremy yeah. hosted everybody as kind of a handoff mm. and phenomenal weekend. They're amazing hosts, but like 45 minutes away from a regional airport makes travel yep. really, really hard for people when yeah, they're scattered yeah, across yeah. 14 states. So we were picking an airport, basically picking cities <laughs> based on an airport that most people can get to in one flight, you know, yeah. and Denver fits that. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to a hotel or a resort. We've got some space at the pool. We've got dinner out on the town both nights going mm. Everybody wanted to go whitewater rafting, so we're doing whitewater rafting. Okay, well, there you go. On there. Don't, don't wipe out half your team. <laughs> well, we've got, we've got, uh, yeah, we're not doing, I said no class fives. That's no, right. No class fives. It's not the, uh, you know, I've done some of those crazy trips on the American River up by you guys. Um, mm, mm, you know, you got to make sure you get a good guide. <laughs> Ivan, well, the, the only rafting we're, it's down the Truckee River we've, that we've done oh, with the, the kids. River float. <laughs> it's, 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 you barely move, and I, I get both sunburnt and shit faced by the time you get to yeah, the bottom. I, was say that's, I think that's more a drinking. I know that the Fourth of July Truckee River float. Oh that's a God, it's it's a big, drinking it's a activity, big not a floating activity. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you, these days you can walk most of it, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I know. Well, um, ho- hopefully. Uh, might get a bit of rain over the spring. But um, what's next for System 6? Are you guys, you're obviously growing, 28 staff and expanding. You're doing a fair bit of the sales. Yeah. Where do you think you'll be in sort of this time next year at least? Yeah, I mean, look, I think our long-term goal is, I think about building a business that's got 100 employees and mm-hmm. I want to get there. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's five years or six years or seven years. It's not mm-hmm. two years because that would break us. Yep. But, you know, we are now at the point, yeah, with 28 staff, so we've got four team leads, you know, each managing sort of five to seven people on those teams, Mm. where I think we're kind of at our max without more time from a management perspective, which means we've got some people on our team, people, you know, you know, Brooks and Kelly, who are still doing some client work, still doing Mm. a good amount of team management work. And, Mm. you know, I need to get them more and more into business management seats and also, I think we, you know, we've got probably some external management hiring to do, mm. head of accounting type role. Several people are wearing that hat right now, and that's mm. 
for it to be a 40 person firm next year, let's say that, you know, we need sort of a full-time head of services type role, more dedication towards low code deployment across our customers, you know, build out a little bit of that kind of engineering light team. We've got, yeah, yeah, one great team member today and let's scale that. Um, Mm. So we're going to keep hiring, obviously service staff, probably a Mm. little bit slower than we have the start of the year, but to get to that long-term goal, we've got to build an awesome management team that's excited about joining me to build and scale and put in place more processes and systems. So mm. what I'm experiencing is it's hard to find the time as a leader to work on those big projects, for, yep. you know, especially when I'm doing sales. So mm. I got to get do a better job of getting into that important, not urgent quadrant. I'm sure you yeah. know all oh, about yeah. that. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and a year from now, you know, having that team in place. Yeah. And what about your systems? I mean, uh, you talk about low code or no code. You talked about putting ignition in and doing your proposals at least in an automated way. Hopefully the integration's working for you. What are the most important systems for you in that you've discovered or that you've inherited and or put in in System 6? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Carbon is core to everything that we do. And I know you played a huge role and still do, you know, in giving some product advice yep, and feedback. Yep. But I feel like we have these conversations with Ian, with Patty mm. and your team, like you know, we were probably front of the curve in how we were using carbon a couple yep. years ago, but there's a lot, you know, as you guys are rolling out tools, like we're not necessarily rolling them out mm. ourselves. So ignition and carbon have some integrations, yep. Yep. right. And automatic integrations. And like, we should be deploying that. Time tracking into car, you know, can we move budget and time into carbon, you know, get outside of, uh, mm. of toggle. So I feel like, for us, our core stack is Gusto, Bill.com for our customers, QBO, you know, and then internally it's Carbon, it's Ignition, it's Toggle right now for time, it's Gusto. And I think getting all of those systems to talk to each other a little bit better, that's how we stay leading edge. Some of that's low code, some of it's direct integrations, some of it's just adapting client tasks. We're trying to use more yep, client yep. tasks. So that's kind of where I see us going from a systems perspective is just making better use of what we've got in place. Hopefully you're joining us next week, are you? But uh, we're at CarbonX, but we're looking, yeah. I think we're starting to sort of progress into the situation with firms like like yourselves that have been at the forefront of technology and forefront of no code for, or low code, uh, uh, automating your operations yeah. to move into a level of maturity where you're looking at using the data and using the systems to just improve that 1% a month or 1% a quarter or I don't, I don't care, 1% a year for all I care. But yeah, I think we're slowly starting to get there, you know, like in terms of, you know, things, I mean, it's not really about a carbon, but really about using the data in all these systems that we use and tying them together better and getting the reporting up and going and combining the systems we use in an effective and efficient way, not in a frustrating and not slow, but like complex way so that you can utilize these systems in ways to operationalize yeah. better and automate better and improve better and and ultimately improve your margins little bit by little bit. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, we've done a, our, you know, the team I stepped into and, you know, obviously Jeremy and mm-hmm. Joe who's with you all, you know, did a great job setting this stuff up is like getting a lot of stuff in G mm-hmm. sheets and a little bit of like custom scripting to push something from mm-hmm. toggle into G sheets, you know, combine it with QBO, but like, Hey, we did that a couple of years ago when some of this low code stuff yeah. didn't exist. So, you know, how can we make it a little better yeah. right now? And then in two or three years from now, how can you make it a little better? So I think kind of having this mindset of internally, we're probably always going to be improving the way our systems work and talk mm. to each other. And when you guys start really rolling out 
kind of gross margin analysis mm. inside of carbon, like, okay, great. Then we sort of ditch the custom work and we start using yeah. carbon, you know, if, you know, that, so it's, I think we know what the systems are we want. It's just like, Hey, they got to change every couple of years as you can make them more yep. efficiently. Yeah. But yeah, there's, I mean, we have so much data that we could be learning a lot yep. more from for ourselves, for our customers. And, you know, that's a, a 10 year vision mm. type thing, but I mean, think about all the data small business accountants have, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, yeah, no, it's no shortage of what you've got these days. <laughs> if we like figured out a way, I mean, Carbon should do that. I don't know. I don't know who does this. I mean, figure out a way to package our data together, anonymize it. You know, you, that data is incredibly valuable. Like, yeah. think about the insights we're getting on the economy right now from purchasing power across our businesses. Like, yeah. Hedge funds will pay a lot of money for all that. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't want to sell it, but we are certainly making progress <laughs> no, in uh, yeah. in helping you, the royal you, the you, the firms improving your businesses. Because at the end of the day, service businesses is just about that continuous improvement. And if you can, uh, if you can operationalize and automate and and just improve a little bit each month, well, then you know you're going to get to a situation where. You know, you got your hundred employees, and and everybody's operating pretty effectively. You're going to be a pretty high margin and profitable, but also you know mission bound and mission based business that is doing good in the world, right? Like they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if our mission is to you know first and foremost provide a great place for our team to work, what's a better work environment? Mm. Like mm. having people having to go switch between systems to look at how much time they've spent yeah, on a project exactly. or is it you know right there inside the system or like yeah, yeah. man our sales process needs a lot of <laughs> improvement you know well, a lot of stuff <laughs> in g sheets and like how that's a better experience for our team mm. if all of my notes are in one place mm. so it, it all comes back to i think that building a better place for people to work mm. Mm-hmm. no definitely and then and, you know ultimately the clients benefit and yeah and employees uh, learn or a work, hopefully working on the things that they enjoy, not the things that they, uh, you know, have to do because Chris tells them to, right? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's been another, I think, learning for us. And as we grow, like not every team member has to enjoy doing the same things. Mm. You know, some people want to, look, we don't do much of the advisory type work right now. Mm. And I, I actually don't think we're going to go into that aggressively the way other firms are, mm. but you know, we do it here and there for mm. sure. And like there are team members that want to do more of that. So for the customers that want it, like, let's give it that team member. We don't need to ask every team member to be an advisor. Some people just want to be great at, you know, sending off clean books every month, yep. doing payroll and all that stuff, and, you know, and all that. Um, so there's many seats on the bus, so to speak. Mm. Mm. No, definitely. And you're making a bigger bus. So it sounds like, uh, you're building a family and working towards that and and you got a wedding coming up what else outside of work what keeps you busy yeah 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 so i got um i got engaged three or four well uh actually yeah three months ago just congratulations over months ago. well done uh thank she said, you she said so yes we'll, well, she was yeah she said yes after a lot of you know a lot of begging and pleading yeah, and hand yeah. hand wringing <laughs> um yeah, you know, we're trying to take our time planning mm. a wedding. I think a lot of people let that take them over and become chaotic. And mm. we don't want mm. that to mm. be our experience. Like at the end of the day, our wedding really is meant to be about us starting our marriage together. Mm. And we don't want to lose sight of that. So we're moving slowly. We're She's from a uh, kind of central coast area, inland, like kind of Salinas, Carmel Valley, yep, yep. Um, inland from the coast. So we're probably going to get married down there because mm-hmm. it's a beautiful area. It and is. we kind of want to show that to people. We're probably a couple years away from kids. I think she's Blair is 
working in a real estate investment mm-hmm. firm and really focused on kind of, you know, she just graduated from business school a year ago. So we're mm-hmm. both sort of in the like, Hey, let's put our heads down for a couple of years and, yep. you know, let's build, get ourselves build, out of the weeds. Yep. Yeah. Build, build you know, a bit build, of wealth, build, get, get rid of some student debt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, as you know, I, I, uh, look, I love living in Sausalito. It's a beautiful place, but yeah. I'm, I'm not buying a home here anytime soon. <laughs> so, you know, we're taking time, mm. uh, I think on some of those bigger life things, but mm. really trying to enjoy the fact that like, yeah, we're happily engaged, living in Sausalito, going to town on the weekends, just a great place to be um, and and not lose sight of that. Uh, I like to play a lot of golf in my spare time. You know, that's another big draw of being in California. You can do that year round. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Which which golf course is raining? It's raining less and less, right? (laughs) So I can play more and more. (laughs) Do you Um, you play up in Marina a bit? Yeah, there's... uh, So it's fun. There's... I don't know if you like Mill Valley has a little yeah. nine hole kind yeah. of oh, executive course. I know it well, which is very underrated. You can show up there mm-hmm. early in the morning, or you can show up late in the day. And it's run by the city, and there's nobody there, and yeah. it's just yeah. like kind of a free for all. So I go there. You know, Peacock Gap up in San Rafael is nearby, and then you know there's a ton of stuff down in the peninsula too. So, Barry is a good place to golf. I'm sure you get into uh, to Presidio and, and knock around there a bit. Yeah, Presidio is fun. You got to be on your game to get a tea time there, and yeah. like they, they, they fell off. Like, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Presidio is, is narrow, and you will knock him around. You will hit some trees when you're there. <laughs> yeah. That's weekend activities for me. You know, when not, uh, you know, at the size we're at, like a lot of times I want Sunday afternoon to work on the business because yeah. it's one of the quieter times I get. So yeah. you know, we're, yeah. we're working hard too right now too. But that's yeah. something I want to be doing. Yeah. Oh, I miss. Uh... The Italian restaurant on on second main and second. What Azara's was that? Oh, oh down in Old Town. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, that's still there. Um, Golden Gate Market too. Oh, we go there. Like, that's yes. our spot. Those yeah. sandwiches, right? Those. Oh, and the smoothies. The smooth. I miss the smoothies at Golden Gate. <laughs> well, the guy who runs it. You know the guy. The guy who runs the, the coffee shop there. He's Australian, right? Oh, not more than we we were there. We we lived there about six or seven years ago. So he wasn't. Okay. Oh, we did run into some Aussies. I don't know if he was there. At yeah, that no, time, the guy, but... the guy who makes the phenomenal coffee is a Golden Gate. Okay. Um, he's Aussie, so I thought maybe you'd know. No, but, we'll uh, say hello. Tell him to make his way up here, like all of us. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think we think we love Sausalito for now. We don't think Bay Area is forever. Yeah, Central California has definitely got our. Blair went to Santa Barbara for college. Oh, nice! And her sister lives in Carpinteria. Yeah, and we love that area. So that may be on the long term if we can pull it off. Well, there you go with it. My wife's got got her uh, got got uh, Kate and Thatcher on on the on the list yeah. of boarding schools for the girls. So yeah, we yeah. might be down there before you know. <laughs> We've only got yeah, two, you know, two my, years to go. <laughs> my goal is to move from uh, you know a very expensive zip code to an even more expensive yeah, zip code down in Santa it. Barbara. Right? That's it. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> Harry, Harry, and me. Thatcher, de- though. There you go. Yeah, we're, we're, we're places trying, trying to keep it cheap. Kate and Harry has it down there. You can uh, knock around with them on their little $30 million acreage by the bay there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure Montecito is in our, you know, is in our, our price range anytime soon, but uh, it's next we're door. happy to. It's next door. Yeah, you can, you, can go, you can drive by the Polo Club. Uh, <laughs> they won't, know, they won't let you them. and I in, that's for sure. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's um, all right. That's all right. The um, amazing part of California and uh, certainly great places to raise kids. I imagine that your, yeah. your wife-to-be has got family down there that can help uh, help with the babysitting, et cetera. 
Yeah, and that's something on our mind. You know, I mean, you probably thought about it too, right? Like yeah. it's a rat race here in the Bay Area. Yeah. Not yeah. that you know Santa Barbara is drastically different or those schools, but I think being somewhere that's a little bit slower speed, where it's a little bit easier to be in our kids' lives, is yeah. very important to us. So yeah. I think that's why we'll probably leave the Bay Area. Yeah. No, well, we we, we as oh, don't die on me. We uh, you know we're we're in Tahoe for that very reason. I've spoken about this before. We prefer the skiing aspect out on the lake and there's still enough for the activities for the girls to stay connected to their community and connected to their sports. They're doing uh, equestrian, not baseball. They're doing skiing, not soccer, you know, like it's a different life, yeah. but uh, one that we chose very deliberately. Easier for mom and dad to go to practice, you know. Oh, fuck, I'd much rather ski than <laughs> go to fucking soccer and sit out in the field on the, in the yeah, freezing exactly. cold. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little bit selfish and a little bit vicarious. Oh, well, I'll, I'm not ashamed to admit it. You know, it's 15 minutes away, not 45 minutes oh. away, and that, that stuff matters. No, fuck that. It's, um, we're, we're three minutes to the chair. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, That's you, even better. Yeah. No, it's, it's a little bit selfish, but... Um, it's pretty deliberate as well. And, uh, you know, we, we um, I'm sure, you, you know, growing up in Melbourne, like this, uh, A, the snow was shit, but B, it was three or four hours away, depending on traffic, right? You know, I, I love skiing and, and uh, it's, it's a very deliberate decision to, to be close yeah. to that. And it sounds like, you, you know, you're, you're going the same way in terms of being close to family, close to the environment to raise kids and the yeah. manner in, in which you choose. Right, and if mom and dad aren't in a good spot you know mm. if you're not happy because you're not skiing ever or you're not outdoors you know that's not gonna then you're not as good of a parent that was a, a big reason why we wanted to get into small you know why i want to get into small business right is like i thought i'd be a lot more energized in my career if i was trying to lead and scale a business than working and investing and that ultimately makes me a better parent when i'm at that stage yeah no i get it i get it i mean we need to i think uh, this is a good topic, but we, you know, like the, the so-called, we've talked a little bit about this before on the podcast, but you know, so-called great resignation is, is kind of an opportunity for a lot of people to focus on what does give them energy, what they are, folk, what, what their purpose is and, and try and match that with an employer or, or start their own yeah. or, or buy their own to, uh, help them deliver their, you know, to, to be energized in life and to give them spirit and to give them a purpose and to give them capacity to have that energy for their family and for their business and for their kids and you know there's and their community i mean it's it's, it's not a the world is uh, not an easy place to be up, uplifted by but you know all of us have got to do our own thing to make us as happy as we can be and i realize it's a you know other uh, people have got opportunities that others don't i really you know america is a very difficult place for that but um we can only we can try and do we can try and make the world a better place in the ways that we can that we have opportunity to do so. Yeah. And, and I think that is something we've been talking about even more, trying to more internally. I think Jeremy was always doing a good job of this, but like, mm. Hey, let's not forget, you know, you guys are providing services to firms like us to make our jobs easier so mm. that we can uh, then provide services like that to our customers, which is like, Hey, we're taking stuff off your plate. We're giving you more time. If we sign four customers in a month, that's like, for business owners that we just made their life a little bit less stressful. Mm. We gave them some time back, whether it is to go spend with their family or some of them it's to go focus on growing their business. But like, that's a pretty nice piece of impact we're making for those four small businesses as we're, you know, de-stressing that owner a little bit because we're taking some stuff off their plate and we're making sure it's done right. Like, yeah, it's not, you know, we're not doing heart surgery, but we are 
playing a role. And I think it's important for our team to hear that. Yeah. Like growth is great, you know, for me as the owner financially look at and all that stuff, but everybody else should be excited about it. And I think one of the reasons is, Hey, it means we're helping more people. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, we, we don't profess to be curing cancer, doing heart surgery, building rockets like others, but you know, the one thing that, you know, like you, 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 you derive more purpose as you help more people. Well, I, I mean, I certainly am. I think we're up to four or 5,000 customers now and, you know, they have, what, 20, 200,000 odd clients that they work for, right, or whatever it is, and yeah. people that, that they interact with and Carbon can help them be better accountants, be better organised, be deliver better services and accountants have, and I'm going to talk about this next week and well, probably two weeks ago by the time this comes out, but, um, <laughs> you know, like how accountants, uh, their importance in the world has increased, you know, quite dramatically over the last couple of years during COVID, the distribution of government funds or taxpayers' funds, but, oh, yeah. but to support economies. They've they've been psychologists, they've been therapists, they've been friends, they've been professionals, they've been, uh, you know, la- late night um, uh, <laughs> lifeline to Therapy, a lot of, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, you know, if we can help with that a bit, then I know that we derive more purpose from it and, and we can build better company and, and help more people. I think that that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to tie it back to that, right? It's like, why are we making this change? Mm. You know, why are we updating our template? You know, we're doing something differently in carbon now for us, or why is there a different standard operating procedure? It's like, well, hey, we're trying to improve how we do things, yeah. but let's not lose sight of why we're doing that, which is ultimately to make this a better company for you and also to make it a better, you know, experience for our customers. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, Chris, this has been fantastic. I, I really enjoyed yeah. and really enjoyed our conversation. I think um, we uh, have really enjoyed our our journey with System 6 over the years. I mean, you guys, Jeremy, did a great job and, and you're continuing the, that legacy and we love working with the team. And so if there's anything that we can ever do to help, uh, you know, you make sure you reach out and, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in person uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, likewise, I mean, we uh, operate our business on carbon. We wouldn't be anything without it. So we're thankful for that. And, you know, I've got great interactions with with your team. You know, we have week, monthly meetings with your customer success team. And I know there's a lot we can use your platform for more and we look forward to doing that. So let's keep growing together, right? Let's go keep helping our customers more and more together. I really appreciate your time and uh, thank you for being so generous. And uh, as I say, if there's anything that we can do to help, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Let's do it. Let's keep going. Let's get after it. Well done, Chris. All right, Stuart. Good to see you, sir. Likewise. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.